0: Another edition of Opera for Everyone. I'm your host, Pat Wright, and I am joined today once again by wonderful guest co-host, Rosie Brooks. Welcome, Rosie. Thank you very much. I am so happy to have you here and thank you so much for suggesting this show. What are we listening to?
1: Today we're going to listen to Die Mouse" by Johann Strauss Jr., or Johann Strauss
0: II. Also sometimes called Johann Strauss the Younger. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had a very famous father. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but die Fledermaus, which just means the bat in English, there's, there's a story, It'll, it will make sense. But before we talk more about Strauss or any of the surrounding issues, let's listen to more of this magnificent overture. Waltz abounds when it comes to Johann Strauss. This is Opera for Everyone, and that magnificent music is from the overture of Die Fledermaus by Johann Strauss II. The Johann Strauss that we know, the waltz king, as he's sometimes called. And Rosie, you suggested this music, this show for Opera for Everyone, and I'm so grateful.
1: Thank you. My pleasure. It's because I recently visited Vienna, and so I'm inspired.
0: (laughs) And is Vienna still... As infused with waltz music as it is in my imagination, anyway, or the popular imagination.
1: Yes, yes, you can hear it on every corner. In the same way that New York, you can't get away from Empire State of Mind. In Vienna, you can't you can't walk. I don't know a hundred <laughs> yards without hearing just a little snippet of the beautiful Blue Danube. There's lots of tourist attractions where they're all dressed with white wigs and the frilly collars, jab jabots. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not sure what they're called
0: that they have you know sort of oh yeah well that's more 18th century right the white wings it's
1: it's a hybrid of various different. they look like the lego man versions of because mozart is a big thing so there's a sort of hybrid of that and hot chocolate
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah the 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 wonderful pastries the sacre torts the yeah that 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 thick hot chocolate Mm -hmm. and music vienna is music and mozart at a certain point in time but then the waltz the waltz yes Mm-hmm. And this man, Johann Strauss, was the waltz king. But in researching this, I discovered that yes, we think of Johann Strauss the second as the waltz king. But Johann Strauss I, his father, was the waltz king before Johann Strauss the second was the waltz king. Yeah, uh-huh. amazing. I mean, and he wrote waltz music that continues to be played to this day as well. This Johann Strauss's father did. Yeah, he was celebrated in. His home city, in his home country in, in all of Europe, it's phenomenal, honestly, and he didn't even this is this is the interesting part. he was he was a superstar, and he didn't want he had three sons didn't want them to become musicians.
1: Wow, I didn't know that Wow. <laughs>
0: oh, well, I, I ended up I had the good fortune of coming across a biography of Johann Strauss II and his father, Johann Strauss the not unusual was not particularly faithful to his wife but he was rather brazen about it and his wife loved her three sons and wanted a little bit of revenge on the father and saw the musical talent that her sons had and she she didn't just nurture the son's talent she did it in a way to to spite the husband to go against his wishes she even with this european famous orchestra that johann strauss I had yeah One of the lead musicians who played violin in the orchestra, she surreptitiously hired him to give her son, our Johann Strauss, the one who wrote Die Fledermaus, she surreptitiously hired one of her her husband's, her estranged husband's musicians, this lead violinist, to give her son violin lessons, which he did until he said, oh, no, you're too good for me now, and he got him in contact with somebody from the university so that he could improve his skills further. And this was all without the knowledge of Johann Strauss Sr., who would have been furious. In fact, he was furious when he found out. Wow. Absolutely furious. (laughs) Ended up smashing one of the violins that his son (gasps) was playing. That's how furious. I mean, he even tried to sue his son when he went and put on a performance and said that Johann Strauss was gonna be playing because he put Der Son, the son, in smaller letters underneath, he said he tried to sue him for impersonation because <gasps> they had. That's what that's what happens when a father names the son with the same wow. name. It can happen,
1: <laughs> as they say. There's a lot to unpack there, <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> well, anyway, the uh, the the wife got got a certain sweet revenge from that. Um, yeah. And it, Needless to say, it turned out to be an immensely profitable business.
1: Well, ultimately, Johann Strauss the second is the more famous now. Isn't
0: it? Oh, do you think? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we d- mm. we do still play some of Johann Strauss senior, the father's music, but yes, Johann Strauss the yeah. second far outstripped his father, and part of it had to do not just with his compositions, because both father and son were very good at compositions. Yeah. By the way, one of the other brothers wrote a lot of very, very well received, enduring music as well. They were the three brothers. They were all involved in the music business, whether they wanted to or not. The mother insisted. Well, they had other well, per- yeah. careers that they were pursuing, and the mother said, no, 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 you need to help. You need to help here. But it was this family business. So when Johann Strauss, the junior, who gave it, by the way, his first concert, where he's leading this group of musicians with the violin in front. Yeah. Johann Strauss is often pictured with his violin. When he gives his first concert at the age of 18... And his father did everything he could to try to make sure that that concert was a failure. It was not a failure.
2: Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. The father was, I mean, to say he was jealous is, is a vast understatement. It was extreme. But it isn't much after Johann Strauss Jr. begins conducting his own orchestra that, in fact, the father passes away. And Johann Strauss Jr. merges the two orchestras. Right. Right. The Johann Strauss Orchestra of the father and his own, and his own
1: orchestra. Wow.
0: Yeah, and they go on from there. But it's not just—it's not just conducting, of course. It's composing.
1: Uh, and the legacy is the composition, isn't it? That, that, that what they left behind is really the composition, because it was pre-recording.
0: So that's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. The legacy is the composition, but but part of the fame was the conducting, and part of the yeah. business that that yeah. his mother was so interested in and that the brothers were involved in were these sub-orchestras that would then tour around Europe. He, Johann Strauss even had a, a summer residency for a time in, in Russia, outside of St. Petersburg. It's just, it, it was an international sensation and, and him being present physically and conducting as well as composing. Mm. But it was, as you can imagine, it was a strain to be able to do both of those things.
1: Yeah. But it's Johann Strauss II that has the big shiny gold statue in vienna not the father yes
0: (laughs) yes (laughs) so there dad (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) that literally looks like it's made of chocolate the statue in the it's in the central park in vienna it definitely has cp30 a hint about it there's the the sun beams off the gold Um, i don't know if it's solid gold or not but it's a very famous statue and it's you can see it a mile
0: off. <laughs> and and in the statue, he has the violin, doesn't he?
1: There's a gold statue and it's on a white plinth and it's in the middle of the park. Uh, it's definitely celebrating. Vienna are very, very proud of Johann Strauss II. There's a lot of other musical references, but they're definitely very proud of the
0: waltz. Yeah, because the waltz is Vienna. Vienna mm. and the waltz are inextricably intertwined. Well, and it wasn't just the waltz music that people were listening to. They were listening to it because they were dancing to it. And the dancing was all part of that feeling. It was the celebratory. It was the night out. And it was how you enjoyed yourself. And so he could have very well had and mostly did have a career directing and composing this dance music. And it was polkas and other sorts of dances as well. But predominantly we think of the waltz. But then at a certain point he turns his attention to Operetta. Operetta is becoming a bit of a phenomenon, particularly starting out in Paris with our old friend Jacques Offenbach.
1: Oh oh yes, uh, um, with Orpheus in the Underworld.
0: We had fun doing that one, didn't we?
1: That was fabulous.
0: That was fabulous. Well, I don't know how much truth there is in this, but I've heard that Offenbach himself, who originally is born german by the way not austrian but german and and becomes an emigre into france um, and he has has his career in paris but offenbach encouraged strauss to write operettas he's like well you can do tunes we've got plenty of proof of that give a try to operetta well it's not quite the same thing to do an operetta as it is to write a waltz or a polka
1: yeah and it's attaching a narrative, isn't it? Whereas waltzes and polkas don't have to have a narrative thread. They're just, their purpose is
0: very different. Right, and you don't have to write for singers. Yeah. To,
1: yeah. to compose for opera would require knowledge of the human voice and the nuances of that, which is quite different from instrumental composition, I would have thought.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. But his wife at this time, who was incredibly supportive of not just his musical work but also understanding about the business end said no no this is a really good thing you should do this because she could see that this was something that he, he could have that he had the talent for but he just needed to have the right libretto have the right story but uh, you know, I sometimes wonder with Strauss if it might have worked out a little differently. We don't have a whole lot of operettas. He wrote way more operettas than we even have yeah. or ever get mounted and performed. So this operetta, Die Fledermaus, premieres in 1874 in Vienna. He wrote his very first operetta just a couple of years earlier in 1871. It was not very successful, nor was the next one. But in 74, 1874, Die Fledermaus was wildly successful. Well, it had a short first run. Yeah. And some people say, well, it wasn't very successful. But I've also read that, well, it had a short first run because there was another show booked in the theater right after and then it came back. Yeah. I would say it was demonstrably successful because in pretty short order, it made it to the other capitals of Europe. And even by the next year, it was being performed in New York. So I'm going to call that success.
1: By the nature of the fact it had done that, then obviously it was, yeah, yeah. There's often politics, aren't there, where something can't have a longer run. You don't know what other things are going on.
0: Politics or business considerations. Yeah, Yeah, it could Mm -hmm. be a lot of things, but it's very, very successful. And this is in that sort of first golden age of the operetta. And it's not long after that, that, I mean, just to put it in the context of other operettas that we've discussed it's not long after that that you have our friends Gilbert and Sullivan over in London (laughs) producing things like HMS Pinafore is just a couple years later in 1878 and then on from there they have a whole string of uh, hits after that so yeah it's the time for this sort of show and just once more as a reminder could you talk to us about the difference between an opera and an operetta
1: uh, well, my understanding of it is that an operetta is is lighter. It's, it's, it's more likely to have a comic rather than tragic plot. And the music is normally a lot more accessible. They're, often, they're not actually necessarily often shorter, but they're certainly significantly more accessible to listen to. They won't be as challenging musically as equivalent full operas.
0: Yeah, the, the, the less... Deep drama, tragic, yeah. delving deep into the human psyche, yeah. for sure. But they like to, I mean, oftentimes they're poking fun at people or social conventions.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the satire, there's definitely satire. The, yeah. With Gilbert and Sullivan, there's a lot of, of that. And, and even with the plot for this, there is a, it is making fun of the social constraints of the day, it's laughing at the, We'll the the, uh, the formalities
0: it's going to make fun of the formalities it's going to make fun mm. of class distinctions exactly, yeah. expectations with class distinctions it's going to make fun of foreigners <laughs> <laughs> okay well speaking of which shall we segue <laughs> right into right into what we hear first <laughs> we open with um, and if you're in Vienna Italian is foreign we're going to open with an Italian tenor of all things <laughs> <laughs> and he is, he's, a, he's a bit of a love interest, but an illicit love interest for one of the characters in our operetta.
1: This is Alfred, who is the potential love interest for Eisenstein's wife, Rosalinda.
0: Right. The couple who are married at the beginning of this and remain married at the end, because mm-hmm. it's an operetta. We said this wasn't yeah. going to be tragic. Yeah. The main couple, he is Eisenstein. And she is Rosalinda. So this tenor Alfred, he's not just a tenor. He he plays. He's a tenor who plays a tenor <laughs> in our opera. Uh-huh. He is an Italian tenor who performs. We don't even know where. Somewhere, but he yeah. he sets Rosalinda's heart aflutter, though she tries to suppress those feelings. She doesn't try terribly hard, but she does try to suppress <laughs> those feelings. <Yeah.
1: laughs> Ultimately, she does. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was Alfred you just got a little taste of that self-assured Italian tenor who sets the the lady of the house's heart aflutter well she's not the one who's even hearing it it's the lady's maid Adele and she hears it and she has no interest in in this man making noise and as long as she realizes that the serenade is not for her she has no interest and she's rather annoyed by his noise honestly yeah fair enough Something has been delivered to her that she finds very interesting.
1: It's a letter. Rosalinda's maid Adele receives a letter which she thinks is from her sister, who is in the company of the ballet, inviting her to Prince Orlovsky's ball.
0: Prince Orlovsky. Mmm, that's a name we'll remember. And we will meet Prince Orlovsky later. By the way, that's meant to be a Russian name. Uh huh. Another foreigner that we get to. <laughs> enjoy laughing at it again it's the exoticism strauss and his librettists are having fun with the exotic nature of some of the characters in the show so what does the sister have to tell her in this letter
1: well she wants to go to the ball so she doesn't she can't say i need the evening off because i want to go to the ball so she has to come up with an excuse so that they will give her the evening off so instead she says that her aunt is sick because obviously they can't say not give her the evening off (laughs) but secretly she plans to go to the ball
0: (laughs) right well because the sister who's in the ballet who obviously would be dressed up beautifully for the ball says well you just have to borrow one of your mistress's dresses and and you too can have a wonderful evening just like i'm going to have yeah sounds like an excellent plan and the only way to get the night off of course is to have a a sick relative
1: Uh uh-huh and that what could possibly go wrong?
0: <laughs> well, it's an interesting... It, it's not just, wait, you, another sick relative? You can't be serious. There, there's, there's a... What it struck me as kind of strange the first time Rosalinda explains, well, the reason you can't have the night off and you can't leave is because I need you because...
1: Eisenstein, Rosalinda's
0: husband, has been sent to
1: five days in prison for insulting an official and he's supposed to go to prison that night so Rosalinda can't manage on her own.
0: Right. It's kind of interesting. So you've already, you've opened on this lovely home where they have this chambermaid who's trying to figure out how she can borrow the glamorous dress. But the lady of the house says, no, you can't leave. My husband has to go to jail for five days because he couldn't manage his temper, essentially. And you're thinking, these are going to be interesting people. (laughs) And in and amongst all of this, Adele is sobbing for this quote-unquote sick aunt. (laughs) And Rosalinda's swooning, remembering how four years ago, before she was married, how she had had some lovely times with this particular tenor who's been serenading her. Because she, Uh in fact, has heard him a little bit. And he keeps singing in the background. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> depending on the staging, by the way, he, he can remain on stage and be seen yeah. or not be seen and sing. It's just, it's kind of a funny role. And they can have different clips of different Italian arias being included in the performance. This, in fact, might be a good time to mention that this is unsurprisingly one of those comic performances where it's not entirely sung. The show has spoken parts as well as sung parts. So all the songs that you're going to hear are the songs as they were written by Johann Strauss II. Any performance of this you see that has dialogue may or may not be the original dialogue that was written by the librettists. It's
1: more likely to be updated, isn't it? The the songs they would leave, but the dialogue is normally what they tamper with, I think, isn't it?
0: Right and and the one thing that's that's special about this show is that they will sometimes put in, you know, as with the tenor's music and later on in a party scene uh, that we'll speak about, there are additional clips of music that sometimes are inserted into this show yeah. and that's just part of the tradition of this show. But as with any spoken dialogue in an opera that can be freely updated or even just jiggled around a little bit. The meaning doesn't get changed, but just Yeah, making it a little more either accessible or entertaining for the audience at hand. Um, In fact, one of the productions that I saw of it that was put on in the United States, all the dialogue, all the spoken parts were in English, but all the sung parts were still in the original German. Right. Well, and this might be a good moment just to mention the librettists for this show. The credited librettists are Karl Hofner and Richard Genet, but they did not originate the story. The story was, well, the story, there was an original story, which was then adapted into a vaudeville, one of those French comedic plays with bits of music interspersed by the very famous duo of Henri Meillac and Ludovic Alivet. And those fellows together as a duo had written several libretti for Jacques Offenbach, our well-known composer of operettas. Mayak, one of those two, also wrote the libretto that was the basis for The Merry Widow. So there's yeah. another one step removed from one of our yeah. our German language operettas. <laughs> and the two of them together, probably their most famous libretto was for Carmen as a libretto. And Mayak was also one of the librettists for Massenet's Manon.
1: Oh, okay, right.
0: And Allevé was also the librettist along with a different partner, Cremieux, for Orpheus in the Underworld. So Pretty good heritage for this story. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was Hoffner, one of the credited librettists, who had written a German translation of their French vaudeville into a straight play, which then is what captured Strauss's attention or was yeah. brought to his attention. And so he, he made that into, or that, that was working its way into becoming a libretto. It was handed off to Richard Genet. Genet, at, at a point later in time, when this becomes very popular, says, well, I, I just scrapped everything Hoffner did. I made my own translation. I never even met Hoffner. He was, he was wanting full and sole credit, but uh, to this day, it's credited to Hoffner and Genet. Ah. They're the librettists. Yeah. But the fact that it goes back to these very popular and successful opera and operetta librettists, Mayak and Ave, it gives it quite the lineage, honestly. Yeah. Because that is one of the other interesting things about Strauss and his operetta career. This is not the beginning of a long list of successful operettas. He tries and he does write several more operettas, but none of them reach this level of success. And
1: this is the only one that's really performed
0: in... Sometimes the Gypsy Baron is performed, but but that's more or less it. Mm. So I wonder sometimes what might be the reason for that. I've read places that a presentation of Die Fledermaus really does depend on who is presenting it in terms of direction. I said there's a lot of latitude with the the script, more or less, the, the spoken parts. And also to make these, a lot of these characters are not inherently likable but to to pull them off as as making them likable. And the music, these are not necessarily easy to sing songs. These are not musical theater songs. These are more like operatic songs. So it's challenging.
1: They're lovely to listen to, but I, exactly that, particularly the laughing song, you'd have to really yeah. be able to sing. There's no messing around. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: you need to be a good coloratura for that. We haven't gotten to that. That's Adele yeah. coming mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. but that'll be in act two.
1: But it's interesting, some, some of the music that's, Lovely to listen to, he's listened to. It's really hard to perform.
0: (laughs) I I so appreciate the people who can perform these works. Musicians, singers, all of it. It's Mm -hmm. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. (laughs) Okay. Well, we've introduced the Lady's Maid Adele. Alfred we've we've introduced off to the side there. And we've met Rosalinda, the lady of the house. Now we need to meet Eisenstein himself.
3: Ist der nur schuld? Wer ist schuld? Der ist schuld, der wird schuld. schuld. Ja, der ist ganz allein nur schuld. Das ist nicht wahr. Du wirst schon sehen. Das ist geschehen. So hören mich. Dann ja, es will ich verteidigen mich. Ersparen Sie sich diese Mühe, so etwas ist nicht zu verteidigen. scheint, Sie wollen mich beleidigen. Du bist blutig von dem Mond. Der Herr von Tasch wie ein Stahl. Ein Eisenstein fing an zu schreien. Sie stolzen ja bei jedem Sie schimpfen ja in einem Fort.
0: Listening to opera for everyone, and this is Die Fledermaus by Johann Strauss the Second. I'm Pat Wright, and I'm here with Rosie Brooks. Well, Rosie, we've had not just Eisenstein, the man of the house, and we've heard a little bit from his wife Rosalinda. There's another yeah. character in there, the attorney.
1: Yes, who's not very good, by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> at his job, that
0: is. <laughs> yeah, we don't know him. We, we don't know anything about him as a as a character, but at his yeah. <laughs> job he is demonstrably bad because the 5-day sentence that his client had when he got before the judge, the judge increased it to 8 days because they were both <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> Needless to say, Eisenstein is not pleased, and the attorney doesn't really have a defense other than well, i will maybe try and he says stop screaming at me and he's angry that eisenstein is so abusive and after all it's eisenstein not being able to keep his temper that got in the jail sentence in the first place
2: yes
1: somewhat ironic <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's completely understandable <laughs> Ultimately, after trying to defend himself and d- describing all the beneficial things he can do, if he has a cooperative client, <laughs> the attorney does leave and Adele, our lady's maid, introduces another character who's come to the house, and that is Herr Dr. Falka. And he is a key personage in this show.
1: Uh-huh. Is he holding a grudge by any chance? <laughs>
0: yeah, a little bit of a grudge. What do you suppose his grudge entails? Well, it if you don't know the story ahead, it's not immediately set out for you. It's there. Yeah. But you don't realize quite how bad it is, I think.
1: <laughs> I mean bad, but not like opera bad, operetta bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. Operetta bad, not opera bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so like Salome. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, please, please. So, so Falk comes in, and he is—he's is a bit of a dandy, really. He's—he's he's cheerful, coming in and says to the wife, "I want to see your husband. I understand he's going to jail, but I'd just like to greet him."
1: And Do we trust him?
0: Well, I—I I don't trust a single one of them on stage, to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, <but>. yeah.
1: <laughs> they all do but, seem to be working their own private agendas, don't they?
0: <laughs> they do but I think Herr Dr. Falke is the puppet master pulling most of the strings it's not obvious yet but pay attention he will so Falke comes in and once everyone else is off the stage except his buddy Eisenstein he says listen I have something really really fun to tell you about and at this point Eisenstein is all ears and he's listening to his friend Dr. Falke no, Die Fledermaus by Johann Strauss II, and we just heard Herr Dr. Falke, friend of Eisenstein, say, come mit mir zum Super. Come with me to supper. But we're not just talking about a little bite to eat here. Oh no, we're talking about a party. Quite a lovely evening. Uh There'll be food, but more importantly, there will be dancing, and there will be And this is what's of real interest to Eisenstein. There will be dancing girls. Oh, okay. And guess who's hosting the party? Orlovsky. Of course, Count Orlovsky. (laughs) Our Russian prince.
1: Who I picture with a big moustache.
0: Oh, mm, I suppose it depends on how it's being played. Well, this character who we haven't met yet, we will not meet till act two. Orlovsky, this Russian prince, is written... As a trouser role for a mezzo-soprano to play. Oh. And that's part of of the characterization for this individual, Orlovsky. Because typically when you have a, a trouser roll, a pants roll, you're trying yeah. to get across youthfulness. Like this is yeah, a young man. Yeah, like Cherubino
1: man. and Figaro. Yeah,
0: okay. Right. You're, you're trying to... Or a Romeo character, right? Where he's still supposed mm. to be a teenager. Yeah. Arlovsky is an adult of great stature importance and wealth
1: and the host of the party yeah
0: and the host of the party but Arlovsky who we will meet in the next act is um, supposed to be a little dissolute he's supposed to be maybe gender fluid maybe into pleasure for pleasure's sake so he's supposed to be just not quite like everyone else not a
1: statesman right okay
0: yeah, it's, it's a very is, interesting hmm. casting. Or, you know, it's written in, not just casting. It's written yeah. into the role that this is a mezzo. It's 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 quite interesting. Anyway, yeah. we'll talk more about Orlovsky later. But this is the Orlovsky party. So this is the two people who who are already planning to attend the Orlovsky party. Well, Eisenstein needs to be talked into it, but he doesn't doesn't take much talking into. So
1: he doesn't. He can defer. He's postponed his jail term, is that
0: how Well, Polka says, "No, don't worry about that. I know people. We'll just we'll we'll get you there okay. and then, like after the party. We'll we'll just take you to jail okay. right after the party." And by the way, these are the kind of parties that run into the wee hours. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a ball with with lots of women from ballet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh-huh. And it's it's an interesting contrast between this husband who's about to go and flirt with all the dancing girls he can possibly flirt with at the instigation of his friend. He doesn't give a second thought to his wife when it comes to flirting, other than I just need to quietly kiss my wife goodbye and tell her I'm off to jail. Whereas the wife kept saying, Oh, I'm swooning swooning for my Italian tenor, but I have to worry about my own reputation. It's an interesting contrast there. But she's still swooning swooning. I'll make that point. (laughs) So in their conspiring moments, Falca and Eisenstein do talk a little bit about how he has to say goodbye nicely to his His sweet and loving
3: wife.
0: So Dr. Falker leaves, and Eisenstein is ready to go to jail, as far as his wife is concerned, as far as what he tells his wife.
1: But in the appropriate clothes for a short prison sentence.
0: Well, I mean, what's appropriate in prison? There's some discussion of that. (laughs) Turns out...
1: He's dressed as as if he's off to a party.
0: Right. Full evening dress. Well... A little suspicious but rosalinda's not stopping him the way a truly suspicious wife might be stopping him because she's got something else on her mind
1: is his name alfred <laughs>
0: <laughs> funny that yes of course it is <laughs> yes so in the meantime she has ordered some dinner for her husband her husband says oh never mind i'll fast in jail and she's like that's really strange he's about to go to jail where they don't feed you much of anything that's good and he's not even eating his dinner oh well he says he's leaving goodbye dear she sends him off and alfred's going to show up oh by the way adele uh, i changed my mind you can have the night off so we squarely have two people off to orlovsky's party uh-huh and now we're back with out oh, we're still in act one by the way <laughs> rosalinda has just a tiny moment to reflect on her on her lot where she says crying and dancing at the same time men are so frivolous he'll console himself while i his wife wretched wife i must pine away so here she is, she's feeling sorry for herself because, after all, her serenader has left. She's thinking about Alfred, yeah. but he's left. And she has a moment of, more or less, self-pity, thinking her husband's gone in evening dress to jail. Makes no sense, but she'll... I mean, this is just kind of an odd moment. Mm-hmm. So just a little moment of Rosalinda alone, but her, her moment alone does not last long because... Pretty soon Alfred is on the scene, her romantic Italian tenor, and she's been diverted. She's quite happy to see him.
1: That's what a tenor's for.
0: The house is not going to be lonely any longer and alfred is incorrigible is the word that comes to mind when i see this man and hear this man <laughs> he shows up and in pretty short order he's he's not only made himself at home with the wife of eisenstein who is no longer at home he's put on the man's dressing gown and even his little nightcap ah. and he's found the supper that's left behind and um Rosie, you're familiar with the convention of the drinking song in operas and operettas? Uh Uh-huh. This operetta has more than one. Uh Bah. And and this is our first. Alfred is going going to sing about the joys of the drink right here along with this lovely woman. Drink, my darling, drink up quick. Drinking makes your eyes grow bright. That's my English translation. And he goes on and on. So everything's romance to him. But it's all about this drinking and a little bit of la-la-lying. And yeah. he's just so comfortable in his own skin. So comfortable in this other man's dressing gown. and.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: She's having so much fun and getting so settled and so comfortable that she's beginning to get a little bit concerned and thinks this is not going the way she would like. Especially if he falls asleep and remains there, and her reputation right. is tainted by the discovery of this young man. And he doesn't seem to care.
0: Oh, he doesn't care in the least. I mean, he doesn't want to mess up anything that he might have going. But he—he's not really. That's not where his mind is. His mind yeah. is in the moment her reputation isn't his concern. Yeah, it reminds me a little of in The Merry Widow, which admittedly comes later where we have Valenciennes always saying, "But hi, I'm a respectable wife." <laughs> Even as she's flirting outrageously yeah. with her foreign paramour. This it it's a little uh-huh. bit of that same feeling. And again, I'm realize I'm getting the order backwards. This this is before that, but I think it's I think it's a trope that It's a parallel though, isn't
1: it? I think exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's a respectable wife. Um, okay, well, I mean, we already told you that the wife and the husband will, will remain together ultimately, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a comedy. <laughs> right, it is. It is. Well, while these two are together and she's beginning to get a little bit concerned, another character comes on the scene, and this is Frank. From the prison. <laughs> Frank from the prison? Well, why in the world would he be at the house?
1: Well, uh, only if. Eisenstein didn't go to jail after all.
0: Well, he's there to, just just as one always does, um, I don't think so, but at any rate, he's there to pick up the man who is meant to be in prison. Yeah. And that's a little curious, and she doesn't spend a lot of time thinking on, well, why isn't he at the jail already? Well, clearly Frank's not there, so maybe there's some confusion, but... One thing leads to another and he says, well, this man who's so comfortable in his dressing gown with you, that can't be anyone but your husband. Who else would be doing such a thing in your own home? And the two of them have no alternative than to say,
1: "Yep, that's fine. That's me. I'm Eisenstein. You can take me (laughs) now to prison. (laughs) (laughs) It's i mean that's gonna burst a bubble isn't it he's got he's got comfortable he's got his dressing gown and his smoking cap on having a nice time and all of a sudden he's being arrested on this chap's behalf
0: <laughs> right right he thinks he's safe because the husband's gone off to prison and now the warden's come to take him in t- at the jail <laughs> and he has to say yes to to cover up for the wife so he, he does have a little concern for her reputation yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah he so, ultimately
0: he does the right thing at this moment at, at this moment he says uh yeah i guess i, I mean because he does think about protesting i'm not but then he realizes he has to agree she because she tells him he has to <laughs> it's, <Yeah. laughs> it's really quite silly <laughs> We're coming up to the end of the first act of Die Fliedermaus by Johann Strauss the Second, And Rosie, at the end of an act, you've got to have a bit of a to-do. Uh-huh.
2: Aha.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we don't have a huge cast on stage at this point, but it's only the first act. We'll have a, more of a to-do yeah. for the second and third act. It's a three-act operetta. But our three characters who are on stage now fussing about the fact that Eisenstein must go to jail, this must be Eisenstein, I'm not Eisenstein, you are Eisenstein. <laughs> All, <these characters. laughs> All of this swirling around, swirling around is what's going to be the culmination for Act One.
1: If Alfred is Eisenstein, then <laughs> if Eisenstein is Rosalinda's husband, then there's nothing wrong with him expecting maybe at least a farewell kiss or a little, little something.
0: I think that's how Alfred sees it anyway. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's got no no choice really but to play along, but they're in public with Frank right there, so it's it's yeah. gotta be kept within bounds, so <laughs> Alfred's just gonna take whatever he gets. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> Al- like it. <laughs> Off he goes in the dressing gown as the act concludes. Oh my All right. We have finished Act 1 of Die Fledermaus by Johann Strauss II. Rosie, we're beginning Act 2. And Act <sighs> 2, this became a pattern, by the way, in operetta, Viennese operetta in particular. Act 2 is always a big party.
1: Ah, like in children's books, there's always a, a, a party in the middle. <laughs> and we go to sleep at the end. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> no, not necessarily here, but no. we do have a party in Act 2 and oh my what a party.
1: Orlovsky's ball.
0: Yes, Orlovsky's ball. This is our Russian prince, Prince Orlovsky and we'll learn a little bit more about him later more than what we've said already but our first impression of the party is just excitement, dancing, everyone's happy to be there because he appears to be quite a wealthy prince to throw such a lovely party.
1: Considering this was premiered in 1874 in Vienna, which was probably a time when the Viennese ball, which is almost as famous as the hot chocolate and the balls, Mm. it would have been an opportunity for the opera company and the singers and all of the company to show off everything that they had.
0: Yes, you're going to have dancing, you're going to have beautiful costumes. I mean, after all. Don't you find sometimes even in just ordinary television programs that you watch, sometimes they'll throw in a party scene just so they can have fabulous costumes for people to wear? (laughs) Well, That's that's part of what's going on here. They have fabulous costumes. And we're going to have dancers who are just entrancing us with the beauty of their movement. And there's a lot of energy in the music as well. I think really it's up to whoever's creating the production, to put as much into it as they can and are able.
1: And their budgets (laughs) allow.
0: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) People, money, whatever they've got. And it's a lot of fun to set the scene for this, really this high stakes game of revenge, which is what this plot all turns around with Herr Dr. Volker. But we do know we have two imposters going to this ball. We're going to have the chambermaid, Adele, in one of her mistress's gowns. Uh Uh-huh. Pretending to be someone other than a chambermaid. And we're going to have Herr Eisenstein not being himself, because, of course, Herr Eisenstein is in jail. Yeah. You saw my air quotes with that one, too, didn't you? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So let's get a little flavor of the excitement from the chorus in the beginning of Act Two. you're listening to opera for everyone a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable accessible and enjoyable for everyone it airs sundays from 9 to 11 a.m mountain time on 89.1 khol in jackson wyoming if you like what you hear please subscribe to the opera for everyone podcast where you can find a rich trove of past episodes stay with us the second half of today's show is coming right up Welcome back to the second half of Opera for Everyone. I'm your host, Pat Wright, and I'm here with Rosie Brooks. Hi, Rosie. Hello. <laughs> well, we're we're still at that glamorous party that we just entered at Prince Arlovsky's house. But before we rejoin the guests at the party, I'd like to take a moment and let you know about the CD that we're listening to. This recording was from a gala presentation in the mid-20th century. And singing the role of Eisenstein, we have Waldmar Kment, Rosalinda, his wife, is sung by Hilda Gruden, Adele, their chambermaid, is sung by Erica Kuth. Falke, the man behind it all, huh? is sung by Walter Berry, Frank, that's the prison governor, is sung by Eberhard Wachter, Alfred, the Italian tenor, Giuseppe Zampieri, and Prince Orlovsky. That's that trouser role, Singing yeah. Our Prince, who's hosting the party. Regina Resnick. We also have The Lawyer, sung by Peter Klein, and Frosch, who we haven't met yet. That's a speaking role. Ah. He's the jailer. He, we'll see him in Act 3. And that's Eric Kuntz in this case, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about his character later. And Ida, sister of Adele, the one who has written that letter to invite her. We're about to meet her soon. And she's Hedwig Schubert.
1: And this was a gala presentation at the Vienna Staatsoper Opera with the Vienna Chorus and the Vienna Philharmonic, conducted by Herbert von Karajan in 1960.
0: Thank you, one and all. Well, now you know what time it is. It's time for the opera helmet quiz before the party.
1: Oh, oh my goodness, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you want to remind us what has happened prior to arriving at this party?
1: I would love to. Apologies for mispronunciations in advance. Oh, that,
0: uh, that's a that's a blanket <laughs> statement for all of opera for everyone. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. In in yeah, yes. Eisenstein, who is the main character, I would say in the opera, has been sentenced to, to a number of days in jail. It's five days to start with for being rude to an official, and he's furious because his lawyer, because he's such a terrible lawyer in negotiating, attempted to get him off, managed to extend his sentence yeah, to so eight years. Yes, but
0: we're days. not sure it's entirely the lawyer's fault because Eisenstein's yeah. temper is not good.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he obviously doesn't represent very well. Meanwhile, Eisenstein's wife's maid, Adele, receives a letter from her sister inviting her to a ball, but she decides she's going to use a cover story in order to go to the ball because otherwise her mistress, Rosalinda Eisenstein's wife, won't let her go.
0: No, of course not. Chambermaids don't go to fancy balls.
1: <laughs> yeah. But even with the cover story, Rosalinda still says no, which is not very nice. Happily, she changes her mind. So Adele gets to go to the ball under the cover of going to see her sick aunt mm-hmm. anyway. Rosalinda has a love interest. Yes. A young tenor. A fervent
0: admirer of hers.
1: <laughs> who, who turns up at the opportune moment. Eisenstein has. Claimed that he is going to jail, but actually is headed to the ball. Rosalinda, the wife's lover, comes to visit. The jailer comes to get Eisenstein, but the lover, whose name is Alfred, is sitting in their house with his slippers on. So the jailer presumes it's Eisenstein. And he has no choice but to go (laughs) along with it. So he ends up being carted off to jail. Meanwhile... Adele goes to the ball dressed in a, one of Rosalinda's fancy dresses, as in nice dresses, not fancy dress, but a posh dress. So, all of this comedy of errors is effectively <laughs> orchestrated by Dr. Folker, who is a friend of Eisenstein's, but is harbouring a grudge because many years ago there was a party in a fancy dress party and he was dressed as a bat and he was left, he got very drunk and Eisenstein left him. On a park bench in the middle of the town, and all the town laughed at him. So he's still harbouring the grudge about that. So all of this meddling is to do with him getting back at Eisenstein.
0: And I should explain to our American listeners, at any rate, that fancy dress mm-hmm. doesn't just mean dressed up pretty; it means in um, costume. Ah, uh, yes. And so they were all in costume, and yes. that is the title, the the bat. Yeah. And that was a costume that Herr Doctor Falke was wearing when he was mistreated by his friend
1: do you think it's the earliest example of operatic cosplay
0: (laughs) probably not (laughs) no no no
1: No, but as in the context of a a fancy dress dress party within the plot rather than them wearing not disguises
0: i doubt it in fact there's a a scene in don giovanni isn't there mozart's don giovanni where they're all in costume yeah. they've gone to a party yeah and that yeah. trio who want revenge against don giovanni are all
1: yeah they are all dressed up and now i think about it the
0: mask ball obviously right. <laughs> anyway it's a great ploy for opera yeah. it makes all the yeah. sense yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah mistaken identity or disguised identity that's a that's a pretty standard
1: yeah it's amazing how people don't recognize their spouse when they have a very thin piece of
0: material over their or face. Or just a <laughs> tiny little mustache or wear a different yeah. dress for that matter. Yeah. yeah. it's Well, at any rate, that's opera, that's operetta, and that's part of the fun. So here we are at the party and certainly heard all of the guests in the form of the choir singing about the excitement. But right in that beginning scene, we see Orlovsky, our host. Mm-hmm. With Dr. Falca, the one who's arranging to manipulate the behavior of so many of these characters. And you get a sense of both of their personalities in the exchange between these two men.
1: So Orlovsky, whose party is, one presumes it's an opportunity for him to show off his wealth and it's it's a big, everyone comes together and it's a sort of thing in Vienna, the big balls and huge parties like this were obviously a really big thing. So lovely, an opportunity to show it on stage, definitely.
0: Absolutely. And Orlovsky is this Russian prince. So this is another opportunity in this Viennese operetta that Strauss and his librettists used to poke fun a little bit at foreigners. We've already poked fun at the Italian tenor and there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of that going on with Orlovsky. He's this Russian prince who is, he's bored with life. He has all of this wealth. He throws these glittering parties for people to enjoy, but he's bored by it all. He's a bit dissolute. And just a reminder, this is our trouser role. In fact, one of the first things he says to Dr. Falca, our, our puppet master, as we're calling him, the guy who's orchestrating all of this, he tells Falca, I'm just so bored by it all.
1: But obviously Falca is able to say there is going to be some excitement this evening because he knows that things are going to kick off like a frog in a sock, as my friend often frog? says. Wait,
0: you're going to have to explain that. A frog in a sock?
1: Yeah. yeah a very good party uh, uh, like... <laughs> an excitement as as something where there's where things are the opposite of boring is a frog in a sock because if you imagine a frog in a sock
0: okay i'm not supposed to empathize with the frog right now right
1: no 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 (laughs) it's going to go off like a frog in a sock it could be an argument it could be a party
0: (laughs) here we go (laughs) illustrating that 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 common phrase about it's too bad that the americans and the english don't speak the same language that so we've done fancy dress and frog in a sock all right we're good we're yeah. off so yeah. so he tells orlovsky about all of this and orlovsky shows just a little bit of interest and he says yes my little comedy is going to be called the bats Revenge.
1: Oh, and that's what the opera is often called as well, isn't it? Yes. Sometimes it's just called The Flight of Mouse, and sometimes it's The Bat's right. Revenge. Right, The
0: Bat's Revenge. And mm. Orlovsky's interested. It's a good title, but how are you going to bring this about? And he simply says, Well, trust me. And he sees Adele coming in, the chambermaid uh-huh. dressed in a lovely gown that belongs to her mistress. We know that. And, yeah. and Falka says, mm, Yes, it's worked when he sees her. And he points Adele out to Orlovsky, calling her Olga, mm. and introduces her to the count, who finds her young and charming and beautiful. And he even gives her a bag of money so she can go amuse herself at the gaming tables, which she's going to go do with her sister.
1: This is all very questionable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a party. It's a life. I think you and I am not familiar with. <laughs>
1: No, I've never been given a, a bag of coins at a party by a by Count Orlovsky or Prince Orlovsky even. <laughs> <laughs> I've clearly never lived.
0: Well, after this has happened and he's been charmed, he says, I want to explain to you that beautiful young woman, Olga, is actually...
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: She is actually our hero's chambermaid. And... That's astounding, but we don't have much time to respond to that because the, the footman announces the arrival of the Marquis de Reynard, and that is the pseudonym of...
1: Eisenstein, yeah, who is dressed up for the ball and under an alias because technically he is supposed to be in jail.
0: That's why he has to be the Marquis de Reynard, and Falka turns to Orlovsky and he says, and this is the hero himself. In other words, this is the main center of our attention in my little drama that I'm concocting here. And he says, ah, I've invited his wife, or I will invite his wife, depending on the the version of the mm-hmm. script that you end up with. And Orlovsky is incredulous. But you'll never get his wife to come. But Falka is confident he will. So in some cases, she will have received her fancy dress ahead of time courtesy of Falka it's yeah. in some cases this is where he writes the note that is going to bring her to the ball
1: so it sort of depends the believability of the timeline of the evening basically doesn't matter it, yeah
0: it's it just how it, you want to stage it and script it
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: the important point is Falka's plan does work
1: yep yeah. she accepts
0: behind the scenes it's happening she's going to be arriving at the party in fancy dress mm-hmm And then the two men decide it's time for a drink. And with this drink, Orlovsky has a chance to let us know a little bit more about himself. He's going to speak more or less his life manifesto, his way of thinking about the world. In fact, he even just calls it his national characteristics.
1: So the only thing he he cares he says that he's allowed to be bored by people and not necessarily contributing to the fun of the affair but he will not accept it in his guests and his guests have to be all the fun and if they're not he'll throw right. them out straight away. Right.
0: And his and the refrain that he says over and over again is chacun à son goût.
1: What does that translate oh. as?
0: It's a French phrase meaning to each his own, everyone to his own taste.
1: Ah yeah
0: live and let live, no,
1: <laughs> no yeah yeah
0: you do you <laughs> there we go, that's the modern way yeah. you do you exactly, yeah. says, but be interesting, have a good time, yeah, just...
1: yeah, be anything, just don't be dull, exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. you'll hear it when we play the song over and over again, chacun à son goût. <laughs>
4: Man unterhält sich, wie man mag, ob bis zum Herentag. Zwar war ein mich stets dabei, was auf Reit und striebt. In das, was mehr als Wirt steht frei, du dich bei gestern nicht. Und sehe ich, seien sich jemand. Hier by so pack ich ihn als Lunge girt, werf ihn hinaus zur Tür, so pack ich ihn als Lunge girt, werf ihn hinaus zur Tür, und fragen Sie, ich bitte, warum ich das denn tue, warum ich das denn So äh, äh, so. S'is mal bei mir so süße, äh, äh, so gut. S'is mal bei mir so süße, schaue,
3: so gut. Forza Madina, ein recht russisches, drastisches Mittel. Wenn jeder, der sich langweilt, hinausgeworfen wird, werden sich sicher alle Gäste amüsieren.
4: Ich mit andern sitz beim Wein und Flasche um Flasche leer. Muss jeder mit mir durstig sein, sonst werde grob ich sühr. Und schenke Glas um Glas ich ein, durch dich nicht wieder Sprung. Nicht leiden kann ich, wenn sie schreien, ich will nicht ab Weil mein und nicht feiered, sich wie ein Dem Werfe ich die Flasche an den Kopf. Dem Werfe ich die Flasche an den Kopf. Und fragen Sie, ich bitte.
0: and Eisenstein are together and Orlovsky even confides to Eisenstein how bored he is and how much he wants to laugh and and before we know it Adele has come back under the pseudonym of Olga she was given that purse of money to play at the gaming table she's spent all the money at the gaming table she's introduced to Eisenstein
1: he thinks he recognizes her because she looks an awful lot like his chambermaid but she says well how could I possibly be your chambermaid when I look in this expensive dress at this fabulous ball. Right.
0: He's blurted out in front of everyone, but you're my chambermaid.
1: <laughs> and she's like, don't be so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's exactly it. In fact, this next song mm. is oftentimes referred to as Adele's laughing song because it's mm. this wonderful, beautiful coloratura where she just makes fun of him. And it's so powerful that he is forced to retract any concerns he has about and he's just like well do i trust myself i don't she looks but i don't yeah she is the spitting image of my
1: chambermaid but it's probably very good lighting as well <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's always necessary at a ball yeah kind lighting my
2: head Wenn Gesicht schon genügend spricht, dann
0: Adele's having a good time, amusing herself, convincing everyone she is Olga. And the Marquis, Eisenstein, has no choice but to back down and accept the situation mm-hmm. before him and everything that everyone's telling him. Before he has much more time to process that, another character is introduced by the footman.
1: And this character is also pretending to be French. Yes.
0: <laughs> the Chevalier Chagrin. And this Chevalier is in fact...
1: Frank! Frank. Yeah. Good old Frank. The the prison governor.
0: Yes, the one who we saw in Act One taking the man who wasn't Eisenstein, but in Eisenstein's spot with his wife. Yeah. Off to jail. So he's he's done that. He's deposited Alfred, we know it's Alfred, at the jail and now he's dressed up and gone to the party. But he is also in disguise. He's got a pseudonym and bad luck these two picked french pseudonyms <laughs> so they're said oh you have so much in common a countryman and <laughs> thus is one of the most amusing little scenes where the two of them have to be pretending to be french with one another
1: you get the impression it be a slightly um peter sellers the <laughs> inspector <occlusive. laughs> i think
0: that's i think that's a little bit of the energy they're trying to exude yeah. there <laughs> 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 they they manage a few words in French together, but typically it quickly devolves into just French phrases and words being shouted at each other. One says, pomme de terre, chemin de fer, folie bergère." <laughs> it's just... <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's neither of them speak French. They don't know the other one is calling their bluff, so...
0: I, I, yes, exactly. No, they're good. just each yeah, trying I... to say something in French, but they they each can see that the other one's not surprised by what they're saying, so... They're getting away with it. (laughs) Getting away with it just a little bit. (laughs) And pretty soon, uh, Ida, Adele's sister, says, knock it off, you two, please. You must speak German. This (laughs) is not where where we are. Please, you two, you must speak language. We can understand. We don't understand a word you're saying. Keeping their cover intact. And they are very, very relieved. (laughs) (laughs) And just as it's time to possibly move in to have a little bite of supper because that's promised at Mm -hmm. this bowl of course and Adele is very eager for that Falka says wait wait wait, there's one more lady yet to arrive Mm -hmm. and all interest turns toward the spot where this new lady will arrive Falka builds up the anticipation by saying yes she's from the highest aristocratic circles in Hungary she is a Hungarian countess wow but because she is such an important person in Hungary, she needs to protect her identity. So he's giving her cover for why yeah. her face will be obscured with something, a veil or yeah. some some manner of thing, so that her face will not be entirely recognizable. Well, we know why that's important for this story, but he's giving yeah. cover to the whole ball. Social
1: context for that, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And no one smells a rat, despite the fact that it's very obvious.
0: (laughs) No, no, not at all. Not at all. And meanwhile, Adele is commenting on the fact that Eisenstein keeps staring at her because he's still a little (laughs) confused about why this woman who looks just like his chambermaid is there. But Eisenstein pulls out that that watch of his.
1: Yeah, that's obviously his go-to ladies-impressing show-and-tell that he has a pocket watch. One one presumes is very silver and shiny and and that he's able to dangle, like a hypnotist, yes. one, one presumes, if it's on a long chain, right?
0: Yes, yes. It's this glittering object that entrances all mm. the women. It's his go-to move, absolutely. Yeah, It doesn't last long with Adele. That's just a reminder that he had mentioned earlier that he was going to use this ploy.
1: Oh, wow. So there's a lot of premeditation going on here.
0: Well, there's premeditation in the fact that he didn't go to jail on time because he wanted to see. Well, sleep. yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah, then by the watch. <laughs> and the costume and yeah. And while
0: this is happening, there's a little moment where Rosalinda speaks to Falka, and it's very clear that she knows that Falka has invited her and Rosalinda you know, just asks for a little bit of confirmation and says, by the way, why is my chambermaid here in my dress? And Falka's like, just... Keep cool, keep your identity, as we agreed. She is your maid, yes of course it's Adele, but it's all right, we have a plan. Yeah. And Rosalinda has oh. reason to be upset with her husband for lying to her and for obvious reasons yeah. to charm the ladies. But before long, that scene has to be stopped because Eisenstein has spied this beautiful Hungarian countess who has arrived.
1: Oh. In a sort of slightly obscured, but at the same time, still quite obvious costume. Yes,
0: yes. Well, I mean, it turns out that Rosalinda, his wife, by the way, yeah. is very much his type and he finds her enchanting. So it's one of these charming scenes where he doesn't realize.
1: The reason he finds her, yeah, the reason he finds her charming is because he is indeed married to her.
0: Right. And again, <laughs> speaking of shades of Mozart, that happens yeah. at the end of Marriage of Figaro. Figaro, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rosalinda says she admires the watch. And Eisenstein, we should mention, points out to Falco when he's first talking about his watch in the first act that, yes, this is my little secret weapon with the ladies. I ensnare them with this, but I always remain in possession of it. No one ever gets it from me. I dangle it before them, but but it remains mine. Well, you can imagine where this is headed with Rosalinda.
1: Absolutely.
0: So with this watch, Rosalinda says to herself in an aside, if only I could get hold of that watch, what a piece of evidence that would be.
1: To shame her husband, mm-hmm. which is slightly hypocritical, given that she's got her lover currently in jail because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh,
0: details, details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she thinks it's only fair because he lied first. And by the way if he has this go-to move to attract other women this is clearly not the first time
1: i suppose so if he's actually got a prop then that's taking it to the next level isn't it
0: that's right that's right well the flirting continues between these two but rosalinda knows she has the upper hand so eisenstein is is trying to sweet talk her by talking about the beats of her heart and they they transition into counting the beats of her heart timing it with the watch and and it's difficult for them to do and she finally says oh it's all mixed up you let me hold that watch Ah. and count my heartbeats and that's getting very intimate because it requires him to to touch her but he he does hand her the watch well the moment he hands her the watch
1: that's it she's got it
0: all she has to do is drop it down her décolletage and can't go after it there Mm-hmm. No, and he realizes, well, this woman, she has outsmarted me.
3: Eins, zwei,
2: drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, neun. Nein,
3: das kann nicht sein, denn nach der sieb kommt erst die acht. Sie ist habe nichts,
4: wir gemacht, wir wollen wechseln. Wechseln, vier.
2: Okay, für Jetzt zähle
3: den an Bin
2: schon dabei. Da 1, oh, <seven, eight>, <Dynamik> 2,
3: Ich wollte nur... Ja. Sie riefst mich ins Netz gegangen, auf meine Uhr hätte ich sie wieder nur Oh, weh! Oh, weh! Dieser Spaß ist etwas heuer, hablamin mich ungeheuer. Meine Uhr ist abwechselnd.
1: Enough flirting now, and Orlovsky comes in at this point to make a toast to champagne.
0: Yes, and he also re-emphasizes the fact that everyone should do what they want, and if a lady yeah. wants to keep something that's come into her possession, yeah, she may do so. In fact, she can take off as many clothes as she wants to. Goodness. Well, he's this character who's meant to throw lavish, slightly disrespectable enticing sorts of parties. This is why everyone wants to be there.
1: The sort with the champagne fountain.
0: Oh, and and more, and more. Yeah. And there's some question in Adele's mind. That woman, I bet she's not even Hungarian. (gasps) Well, at this point, Rosalinda takes the bait and she says, I'll prove to you how Hungarian I am. And what's the best way for a singer in an operetta to prove that she is Hungarian?
1: Uh, To sing a jardash. Which is a hung- uh, famous Hungarian folk tune.
0: A jardash um, is that a category
1: of song? A jardash. It's it's a sort of sentimental dancing song. It's most famously played on the violin. There's a few versions that um, famous violinists have played over the years. It's often done as an encore to a concert oh. with a solo violinist. So if they've done a straight uh, concerto, it's often the jardash is often the the encore, the fun encore.
0: Well, we don't. We're just going to have fun right in the middle of the show here. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. This is Rosalinda proving herself to be Hungarian. Yeah. well and truly proven herself to be Hungarian because no one but a Hungarian could have sung that song
1: yeah you have to be Hungarian to be able to (laughs) sing the (laughs) Jardash.
0: so case closed on that one (laughs) and Mm -hmm. one of the guests says to Volka, but but didn't you say you were going to tell us a story about a bat and Eisenstein gets wind of this and he says oh the story about the bat I know that one so we hear the story in full from Eisenstein's point of view. Yeah. So depending on the script that mm-hmm. the operetta is working with, you get to hear the story of the bat from Eisenstein's point of view. And he thinks it's just a little practical joke. And he laughs at his friends how there was this party and it was late and he was drunk and I deposited him on the courthouse steps. He was so drunk. That... And we all laughed. Yes. <laughs> and people were passing by. And so in his professional capacity, people were seeing him in this bat costume just looking... A mess because he's essentially passed out and it's it was quite humiliating and he didn't even have a way to get home so he had to walk home in this ridiculous bat costume because he had no other clothes with him. Mm -hmm. Eisenstein thinks the whole thing's quite funny.
1: Yeah yeah I can see how different different recall isn't it of, of an event but Dr. Falker is still halbering that grudge.
0: Yeah and quite sensibly Ida even turns to him and says didn't he want to get revenge on you? So even with Eisenstein's telling of it.
1: Yeah, there's a clue. It's like, can you not see that there's a possibility that this...
0: That this man harbors quite a serious grudge. Yeah. And Eisenstein says, well, I'm always on the lookout. And, you know, that's when, if we we were doing close-ups here, we'd have a raised eyebrow with Dr. Falka. But he says, don't be so sure. (laughs) Don't be so sure. So we are all in on the joke. However... It's time for dinner, and they are called in to dinner. But before dinner happens, we have to make a toast.
1: (gasps) With champagne?
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) I promised you in the first half, I promised you there would be more than one drinking song. And here is a beloved song, the hymn to champagne. Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. That was a cheerful song. Oh, it's lovely. I love how in the lyrics to that, it's King Champagne or Emperor Champagne. The majesty of this beverage has been proclaimed. Long live Champagne the first.
1: Yeah, fantastic.
0: <laughs> I think there's more fun to be had at this party, though.
1: Well, the party's just getting going now, isn't it? But it's just rather...
0: Yes, yes, yes. And... This is one of those moments. I mean, we've mentioned this all along that throughout this show, when they are speaking rather than singing, the text, the dialogue can be changed around for any performance because why not? You can do that with the dialogue, not the songs. Well, this is a moment in the show when you can add in a lot of different things.
1: From any opera, any context really, isn't it? So it it doesn't necessarily have to be appropriate to the time. It could be from any time.
0: Right, because here we were at the party and you might have different performers, you might have different individuals coming in and we have the good fortune of having this wonderful gala recording from 1960 and a gala it was. Luminaries of the opera world show up for essentially little cameo songs at this moment in the party.
1: So they will be playing visiting performers, effectively. So they're sort yes, of... Yes, these are yeah.
0: performers. And, and so there's a little exchange. We'll, we'll play a few of them. There's a little exchange with the host introducing the songs. Let's start off with the song that your grandmother used to sing to you, if I recall correctly, ah, from when we yes. did The Merry Widow.
1: Vilia oh Vilja.
0: This is Renata Tibaldi with Vilia from The Merry Widow.
1: wonderful i love that song Velia really, from Leha's the merry widow
0: yes and one of my favorites actually one of my favorite musicals is my fair lady and here we're going to be treated to that wagnerian soprano supreme brigitte nielsen singing i could have danced all night what a great song for a party <laughs> <laughs> bed, bed, i couldn't go
4: to bed my head's stood- Sleep, sleep. I couldn't sleep at night.
0: Jump to the Gershwins and their opera, Porky and Bess, sung by Leontine Price, and, and acknowledging freely that this is an anachronism. She even says before performing it, and Gershwin wasn't even born yet. Doesn't matter. We're all having fun.
1: That's so lovely. So-
0: Are you familiar with the musical Annie Get Your Gun?
1: I am. Not as well. It's like the Gilbert and Sullivan thing. I think the Brits are overexposed to GNS, but we do. I, I have seen it.
0: Well, there's a wonderful number in there between these two massive egos, the two sharpshooters. Ah, uh,
1: yes, I think I know. Anything you can do, I can do better. That's it? That's yeah, it. I do know that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is a duo of Italian singers, Giulietto Simonato and Ettore Bastianini. Amazing. Allora. <laughs>
4: anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can. Yes, I can. No, you can. Yes, I can. No, you can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything
3: you can be, I can be greater. Sooner or later, I'm in greater than you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I can shoot a cartridge with a single cartridge. I can
4: shoot a tarot
3: with a boy darrow I can live on bread and cheese.
4: And only on
2: the red. Yes. So can a rat.
3: <laughs> and you know you can reach. I can go higher. I can sing anything higher than
4: you. No,
3: you can. Yes, I can. No, 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 you can. Yes, I can. can. My dear Julieta, your English is wonderful. Ah,
4: yes. Thank you very much, my darling. Very kind. Fido qualsiasi Americano-Inglese a capire in che lingua canto. Maybe Chinese. Any day you give a, I give a cheaper, I give a any day cheaper than you. Fifty cents? Forty
3: cents. Thirty cents. Due lire. I beg your pardon, Julietta. How much did you say? I said due lire. Ma cosa puoi comprare con due lire? <laughs>
4: Popcorn.
3: Any lire? You can say I can say softer I can
4: sing any day softer than you No you can't Yes I can't Yes I can No you can't Yes I can I can
3: can drink my liquor faster than a flicker I can drink
4: it quicker and get even sicker
3: I can open any safe
4: We're not feeling good That's what I thought
3: You crook and you know you can hold, I can hold longer
4: I can hold any longer than you No you can Yes I can No you can Yes I can
3: No you can Yes I can Yes I can Yes I can Yes, I can. yes you can And you know you can sing, I can sing sweeter because if you anything
4: sweet that you
3: No, you can
1: Another lovely inclusion is, is the wonderful Joan Sutherland with El Baccio, which it's not from an opera, is it? it's, it's, from, it's a, a popular Italian song that is often used, people think it's from opera, but it's, it's just a, a very popular, fabulous, classical Italian song, which is just lovely.
0: Joan Sutherland, that, that powerful soprano, beautiful, exquisite rendition of the kiss waltz by Luigi Arditi.
4: Miss Sutherland, will you sing for me my favorite melody, Il Baccio?
2: Sulla, 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 dal sulla,
0: Guests at Prince Orlovsky's party have been fantastically well entertained.
1: It sounds like an absolutely lovely party. I'm rather jealous.
0: (laughs) Yes, they say, oh, what a party, what a night full of mirth. Love and wine afford us happiness. There's always this emphasis on, on the drink. Well, speaking of drink, there's one particular attendee of the party that we know has had too much to drink.
1: Ah, this is Eisenstein.
0: Yes, he has.
1: You'd think he could handle his drink better than the the chambermaid, but no. Maybe she's got more practice.
0: (laughs) Maybe he's not paying as much attention as she is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in his inebriated state, and also, there's another character who's inebriated, and that is his good fellow countryman, as it were.
1: The French, yeah, the fellow Frenchman. (laughs) Frank. Yeah. (laughs) Or Frank. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. although his alias is, is actually
0: well they both have french aliases but they're mm-hmm. arm in arm for a while and frank realizes he needs to get back to work and eisenstein he realizes maybe it's time to get to jail because they are going to be expecting me there and i haven't shown up yet
1: and he doesn't know that alfred is actually there yeah, he he doesn't realize, so he, doesn't, he thinks that there's an empty jail cell waiting for him, which there isn't.
0: And he also doesn't realize who his new best friend is.
1: No, so that's a good job he's drunk, I suppose. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if only the superintendent of the jail realized that he was hanging out with a man who was supposed to be in jail, but he already put the man who's supposed to be in jail in jail, Alfred.
1: So why would he suspect that he would be? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Exactly. It's all very confusing, very silly. It's an operetta. Well, let's say goodbye to the guests. Yeah. And now the third and final act of Die Fledermaus, we open in a different scene altogether. It's the, the lobby, the office area of the prison.
1: Right. And this is where all the confusion begins, or rather unravels.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it, it compounds, it unravels, all of it. It's just, it's just a big mess. But it starts out quite quietly. There's a lovely piece of music. We see a single character on stage, and this is Frosch. He's the jailer. Right. Another chance for something topical to come in because he doesn't sing a word.
1: Frosch is a spoken role, isn't he?
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Almost always played by a comedian of some stature in the locale where the operetta is being presented.
1: Ah, that's interesting. A bit like the... um, A bit like the Le Fils de Regiment, where there's a...
0: Lady Krakenthorpe
1: yeah that's it the famous actor
0: yes but this is this is much more amped up even than that because there's a certain amount of dialogue she needs to be sure to get through but Frosh can really just have a lot of fun until Uh, Alfred shows up and then he has to have dialogue and interact with with Alfred but he has a whole sort of stage to himself for for a while to entertain us Mm -hmm. so when we first see Alfred we hear him who is a tenor doing tenor things. He's a tenor playing a tenor. Right. Yeah. He could sing snatches of arias that are tenor arias and Frosch doesn't, he's not an opera fan. He has not listened to opera for everyone. He's—he's <laughs> <laughs> he's just doesn't really want to hear it from Alfred and Alfred, he carries on being his dramatic tenor self, thinking he should probably be out of jail, but its it's irrelevant Frank walks in.
1: still inebriated from last night. That must have been some party.
0: Indeed, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and and before long, we have two of the young women from the party show up. This will be Adele. And her sister, Ida. Of course, Adele is known as Olga at this point.
1: Yeah. And they're still in disguise.
0: Well, they're still in their party clothes. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Have none of them been to bed? No. As you said, it was quite a party. <laughs> Well, one thing leads to another, and Adele ends up asking Frank to help her out, because the truth is, she is a chambermaid, laughing song notwithstanding, she is, but, but she has so much more potential, the fact that she could fool everyone, and that, by the way, speaking of My Fair Lady, does that not make you think of My Fair Lady? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that she could fool everyone, of course she did it herself, Yeah. with the help of some clothing, but the rest of it was all her. Actually, I thought of My Fair Lady, too in the fact that Rosalinda gets away with impersonating a Hungarian princess, a Hungarian countess. Because when he shouts at well, never mind (laughs) I I I'm guessing that that, the fact that when they accuse Eliza of actually being Hungarian in My Fair Lady, it's a nod to this show.
1: Oh yes of course, maybe yeah. But I'm guessing. Yeah. It was certainly very popular when My Fair Lady was out, wasn't it? This, this still would have been very much, this and May Widow and the, these sort of operettas would have been a lot more famous than perhaps they are now.
0: I think that's quite quite likely. Yeah. And so Adele is asking, she's come clean, and she says, but I have so much more potential. I need, I need your support. I need your help. And, well, Frank's got, you know, romance on the mind. They're in the jail with uh-huh. everyone else around, but... I mean,
1: classy, yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: She gives him an additional taste of her singing talent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eisenstein turns up to come and serve his sentence, but then Frank tells him there's there's already a man in the cell. What is he Well, talking and about? besides,
0: this is the French guy that he's been hanging out with all night, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's What's just, he doing? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an utter mess that just is going to get a little bit more complicated because before long we're going to have the attorney that we met in the first act showing up yeah and eisenstein is confused to see him what in the world are you doing here the attorney says but you called for me the prison official told me quite specifically that herr von eisenstein asked for me and eisenstein says wait there's something going wrong here give me your wig your hat your coat your spectacles your briefcase and he he gets him out of the way and in comes the man who's supposed to be Eisenstein. Uh,
1: Alfred. Yes. Is he singing still?
0: <laughs> yes. And before long, Rosalinda shows up and she sees Alfred and she's like, oh, no, you must uh... you must get out of here as quickly as possible. Of course, he's been locked up in jail. So that's going to be confusing and difficult with jailers all around. Yeah. But Alfred said, well, here's the lawyer, right? Here's the lawyer, which is, of course, Rosalinda's husband. Eisenstein. Dressed up as... Lo- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting a little crazy. It's getting a little full on stage. And there's amusing little confusion as the three of them are singing about it, about being nervous. Yeah. She's nervous. Alfred wants help from the lawyer and Eisenstein is getting a sense that there's been something going on between this Italian man, who's not him, <laughs>
1: yes. and his wife. The The tenor. <laughs>
3: Gib mir, Herr, an, gib an diesem
0: This all unravels, Rosie. You can imagine what Alfred is saying.
1: That he was brought here by mistake and that he should never have been incarcerated in the first place.
0: And he even goes so far as to explain the reason the mistake was made is because I was having supper with this nice lady right here. And Eisenstein is enraged because here's this man having supper with his wife. Well, I mean, hypocritical much?
1: So he's whipped off the, the wig in outrage and is accusing his wife of infidelity and shocking behavior right and she very calmly pulls out a pocket watch
0: Mm, a familiar looking pocket watch (laughs) (laughs) and alfred observing all this is relieved but now also frightened because this man is furious but she tells him he's got no right to be all that upset
2: yeah
1: they are as bad as each other
0: and because it's a fun loving operetta a fun comedy the third act, the end of the show, will have everyone from the party coming on stage. Don't ask me to explain how, because operetta, comedy, everyone yeah. from the entire ball, the entire party seems to have poured into the ch-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just getting involved. <laughs> yeah, there they
0: all are. At least in one version, they cover that whole plot hole by saying, well, the, the chief, the maestro said we should come for the finale. There we go. It's all been explained. Excellent. And the assembled crowd has a question, but what about the bat? Aren't you going to finish the story about the bat? Ah, yes. Well, Falka does explain. Falka, who of course is there with the rest of them, he says, yes, this is the way the bat avenges himself. I've set this all up. Look what I've put this man through. Do you think he's gotten even finally?
1: I think so. That sounds like.
0: And guess what? Prince Orlovsky, the one who's always bored and always down and says everyone has to have fun to him, but (gasps) guess how he responds? he's delighted he's laughing he's having such a good time and he thinks this is as entertaining as Herr Dr. Falke promised him it would be and the assembled crowd is going to sing because as Eisenstein still wants to be upset at his wife even yeah Orlovsky as the person with great stature who is present says nope don't get to be upset anymore we're just going to blame it on champagne and honestly the resolution of this plot the champagne
1: it's all down to the champagne. It's all
0: down to the champagne. <laughs> yeah. So the plot is not necessarily rock solid, but I'll tell you what the music is. <laughs> it's so charming. All of these and, and all of these opportunities for local companies putting this on to, to tailor it to their audience. Yeah.
2: The,
1: the additional songs that they can insert. Also, there's no real villain. Yes. Which is lovely. There's no real dark villain. There's no <laughs> nastiness. It's naughtiness, but not
2: nastiness.
0: <laughs> it's an operetta. It's all a good fun. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And and the, yeah. the naughtiness is just amusing naughtiness, standard fare for comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rosie, once again, thank you so much for helping me out with this operetta and suggesting it in the first place. Ah, what a gem.
1: My absolute pleasure. It's, be, it's been absolutely wonderful, especially having recently seen the Vienna oh. Staatsoper. To talk about an offeretta that was that was there in, in, in its original form, because it's only the, the frontage that now remains. To, to imagine how it must have been in the auditorium—it's great fun. Thank you.
0: Thank you,
2: Rosie.
3: <speaking in Spanish> The prince and wieder dear Fouquet, what is bestritten, oh my child, look, we see, I'm going to be a little bit of 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 a little Leibel immer will ich als nicht mehr
4: nicht Das ist kein so Sie
2: so
3: Vergive deinem treuen Gabriel. Du siehst, nur der Champagner war an allem schuld.
2: Champagner verschuldet, Was war der Gulden, erlalala? und fahren, dann Wir das Ganze und führen ihn zu treuen. Wir und holen ihn vereinen. Wir gehen alleine, wir gehen ein, ein.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for everyone I've been your host, Pat Wright, joined by illustrator and opera lover, Rosie Brooks. If you've enjoyed our show and would like to hear more, please subscribe to the Opera for Everyone podcast. Opera can be challenging, but everyone loves a good story, and a story set to music is even better. Our mission is to make opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable, because we believe opera is for
2: everyone.